thank you for uh, allowing me to be here today, my wife and myself. We have been here several times before. Uh, I've preached on occasion. We've done a couple of family couples retreats, those kind of things. It's good to see some of you that uh, recognize your face. I don't know that I could recall your name, but it's also good to see some new faces. That or you've had some facelifts, and, and uh, <laughs> your doctor has really done good. Uh, but uh, it's, it's good to see you out today. We are here to worship God. We are, as the song said, we are here to listen to him. And um, I, did, I debated on whether I would uh, tell things about Charlotte and Bill, but um, and I'm, being, I'm being straight up here. I am so proud uh, to call her sister and so thankful that God gave Bill to her as her husband. And in watching them throughout the years of their life and their ministry, uh, just to see their faithfulness, not just to you, their church family, but their faithfulness to God. In the Christian community today, there's a lot that have not remained faithful. And you are blessed to have a pastor and pastor's wife who do love you and love this church, but more importantly, they love, they love Jesus Christ. And they desire to serve him and put him first and allow God to work and minister through them and through their efforts here. And so uh, I don't, I don't want to discredit that at all, and I want to be, uh, be very appreciative. I can say that now that they're not here, uh, because if they were here, I'd, Bill would hold that against me and make me pay something for saying something nice about him. And I, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Uh, so I waited until they were gone, finally, and he asked me to come and speak so I could just uh, pat them on the back in the presence of their church family. And it's kind of like kids hearing their mom and dad complimented. Sometimes it's good for us as children to hear our mom and dad complimented. And I think sometimes it's very good for the church family to hear their pastor complimented by somebody who, very in a critiquing way, have watched them throughout the years. Uh, I mean, I was part of their wedding. Uh, according to my sister Charlotte, I was there when she was born, even though she's older than I am. I'm, I haven't figured that one out yet, but uh, she keeps saying it. <laughs> and uh, I want to talk to you this morning, if you'll take your Bibles and turn to Mark 14, I want to talk to you this morning about uh, an alabaster box. If you were to come into my office, over on my bookshelf, I've got a little box that I keep special mementos in. And uh, a couple of things that are in that box. Uh, I was 10 years in... in uh, Newcastle, Delaware, which is a south suburb of Philadelphia. It's where uh, Vice President uh, Joe Biden is from. And uh, Delawareans are very proud of him. And uh, we're the first state 
second smallest, 35 miles wide, 90 miles long. You cannot get lost there. It's totally impossible. You either have the ocean on one side or you have Maryland on another or you have Philly on the north or you have Virginia on the south. Uh, and so when God called me away from that church, there's a gentleman there and he is a uh, army ranger. And uh, he came down to the front and he was in his, you know, in his uniform and it's very formalistic and I, I didn't know what was going on because normally he would just come casual clothes when he came to worship God. And he walked up to me very, very regimented, stood at attention, saluted me, and then put his hand out to shake hands with me. And as I did that, I pulled back my hand when we were finished, and there was an object that he had placed in my hand. And so I looked down at it, and it was a, it was a coin of some kind. And I said, well, what is this? He said, it's a challenge coin. I said, okay, you win. <laughs> Let's just say that up front. He said, no, no, it's a challenge coin. I said, okay, what is that? And he said, just go home and study up on it. So I did, and challenge coins has been a tradition in the military over the years, especially with special groups like the Rangers, Green Berets, groups like that. And it's a coin that is made just for their group. And they share it with each other after they've been in battle together. And the idea is, I've got your back. Doesn't matter what in life happens, I've got your back. And they carry it with them 24-7 because you never know when you're going to need it. And if anybody pulls out their challenge coin and throws it down on the table or the ground or whatever they do, anyone else that's in that grouping of people that has a challenge coin has to forget all differences and step up to the plate and come to the help and the aid and the defense of this individual who's throwing the challenge coin down. I said, and what happens if I don't have my challenge coin? He says, well, you have to buy everybody a beer. <laughs> so, yeah. so I never carry it with me. <laughs> I've got that challenge coin in this box. And I've been gone from that church now for five years, over five years. And this man still connects with me on a weekly basis on Facebook and Twitter just to touch base and let me know I'm here, this is what's going on in my life, and I've got your back. I, I treasure that. I've got another coin in there. And uh, this one is a sobriety coin. There was a gentleman that was in our church, one of our churches, and uh, he was on my personal accountability group that I have, and he had very deeply, very publicly fallen into disgrace in, in every way you can imagine. 
And he was one of the deacons at, at the church where I was pastoring. And he was uh, very high up in leadership at his company, and so his company did not want to lose him, and so they sent him to the same place that Tiger Woods went to when he went through his restoration process. They spent $90,000 on him in three months' time, plus full pay, to help him. And when I left that church, he came up to me, and he presented me with that coin, and it was his one year sobriety. And he said, Pastor Ron, I think you will understand the meaning of this coin more than anybody else I could give it to. I treasure that coin. Because he was in his way saying, thank you for God's ministry to me through you, Ron. And he gave me that that sobriety coin that he has. Now throughout life, whether we receive challenge coins, the sobriety coins, or we get a little note in the mail or someone sends us a, a tweet or something and thanks us for the ministry that we've had in their life, whether that ever happens to you or not, every one of us in this room have challenge coins that have been given to us and that we have given. And a lot of times it comes through brokenness and it comes through pain and heartache and it comes through failures and falling. And that's what's going on here in our text that we're going to read in Mark chapter 14. There's a woman who was a woman of the night And she had come in contact with Jesus Christ and received him as her Savior and her life dramatically changed. And she took one year's salary, understanding where that salary came from, please. She took one year's salary and invested in a box that contains some smell-good stuff. And she comes into the room where Christ is, and she breaks open that box. And she begins pouring that on the feet and the head of Jesus Christ, her Savior. And everybody around her starts complaining and judging and finding fault. And Jesus stops them. And he says, you guys don't understand what this means. She is honoring me with her past faults and failures and what I've accomplished in her life. And she's preparing my body for death and burial. You guys haven't done that. You who are former priests, you who are former spiritual leaders... You haven't done that, but this street woman, she has taken the alabaster box of her life and she's given it to me. 
So from this point forward, every time Christians gather together, I want her story read. And I want it to be read for the purpose of not finding fault and not judging her. I want it to be read as a memorial to her because she cared and loved me enough that she gave what she had. What alabaster box do you have in your life that God is waiting for you to break open? Christ stands at the temple door and people are coming in and as they come in, the way they took up the offering was there was a funnel. And there was a tube connected to the bottom of the funnel and it was kind of jagged and moving around and it dropped down into a metal box. And as people came in to worship God at their, their temple, they would throw their money in this box and it would make all kinds of noise and the louder and longer the noise, everybody standing around knew that person just gave a lot of money. And they thought very highly of them. And Jesus is standing there and he's watching that. A, a little widow lady comes along. And she waits until everybody's in church. And she is so embarrassed because all she has is one little coin. And it became known as widow's might in remembrance of her. And she put that in hoping nobody would recognize and see how little she gave. And Jesus gathered his followers around him and said, Hey guys, come here. I want to tell you something about what we just saw. That little lady right there gave more than everybody else put together because she gave all she had. You see, it's not how much that God's interested in. It's will you empty your box? Will you crack open your alabaster box and give it to God in worship and honor of Him for what He's done in your life? That's easy to stand here and say. But it's tough when God comes to you with the alabaster box and says, here, will you open it up and give it to me? It's tough. I want you to know that. As if you don't. Because we stand around and we compare ourselves to others. And we don't want to cast ours in because it's not going to make as much noise. Or we do want to cast ours in because it's going to make a lot of noise. God's not interested in the noise. He's interested in your heart. So he begins in verse 3, And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box. Very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. 
And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? It might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. Now, if you read the other areas of the Gospels where it tells this story, you would find out this was Judas Iscariot who said that. And he said that not because he cared about the poor, he said that because he was the church treasurer. If you're the church treasurer here, I'm not calling you Judas Iscariot. I don't know who you are. I've not heard anything about you at all from anyone. I'm just saying this is how it worked in Jesus' group. And so he's wanting to take the money for the ointment of one year's salary and put it in the bag because he keeps the bag. But he can't say, oh... I'm interested in your money, so he has to put it in spiritual realms and say, well, we could give it to the poor. All right, let's all take a vote. Who's the poorest? You know, and everybody's hand goes up. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For she, excuse me, for you have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye will, ye may do them good, but me you have not always. She has done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Now if you take a Bible study book and you look up the word broke where she broke open the box there's, there's definitions that are given to that that put a mental picture to it and here's what that word means to crush to crush completely to shatter to break open now let me stop for a moment and put it in a context of how I want to make application in the message. Have you ever been at those places in life where you feel crushed? Shattered? Broken? Literally destroyed? It could be because you, like this woman, were once on the streets. It could be because you lost your marriage or you no longer have a relationship with your parents or your children or you can't get a good job because of past decisions and choices you've made. It could be because of things people have said about you and they are not true, but people tend to believe the negative quicker, faster, and longer than they do the positive and they don't ever call you and ask for your opinion on it. You ever been there? You ever struggled with thoughts of suicide? You ever had your doctor come in and say, it doesn't look good? You ever had your boss bring you in and say, we need to downsize? You ever have your company sold and they, they took away your retirement? 
And you're having to work far longer and far harder into your sunset years than what you ever expected. Crushed? Wanting your Social Security to increase, but as they increase the benefits you get, they also increase the cost of your insurance that you must pay? They hold it back for a week so that they can make interest on that, and yet you need that on the first of the month because of the way you have your bills structured, crushed. Your car needs tires. You've only driven 900,000 miles on them, but they're worn out. When I first got out of college, I worked for J.C. Penney's. My name is Sears. I took so much stinking grief over that. Because <laughs> I was in management, and so when anybody wanted to speak to the manager, they'd always say, Mr. Sears. And when I would get there, aren't you working at the wrong store? If I was related to Sears Roebuck, you think I'd be working at Penny's? Come on, take the reality pill. Penny's had a philosophy, I don't know if it still is or not, but 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. They used to have a, a penny papers, what they called it, and it was to the employees, and it was just news that was going on in the country, com company. And they had this one article in there about a man who back when J.C. Penny first started the company, it was called the Golden Rule Store. And it was started over in the Oklahoma area somewhere. And this man went into J.C. Penney Golden Rule Store and he bought a, a, uh, a robe, a house robe for himself. And this was like 65, 70 years later and the house robe wore out. And he brought it back to Penney's and demanded a new house robe because he wasn't satisfied. <laughs> they gave it to him. Because there's sometimes the $25, dollars $45 for a robe is far cheaper than the bad press you get from somebody out there destroying your name and reputation. And that's the way they looked at it. Have you been taken advantage like that? What do we do? Well, at this point in my life, I've been in the ministry now for over 40 years, and at this point in my life, I've, thankfully, I've learned a few things. Not many, but a few. And one thing that I've noticed that is consistent with every child of God's, God uses the broken. He uses the broken. He's got 5,000 men plus children and women that are around him and they're all starving to death. And he says, we got to feed them. And the disciples said, we don't have anything to feed them. There is this little boy here. He's got a couple of fish and a couple of loaves of bread. And Jesus said, bring them over to me. And when he prayed and broke them, he fed the 5,000. Had he not broke them, 
He could not have fed them. Ezekiel tells a story about a field of dry bones. A man is taken out there and he's thrown into one of the graves and when he goes into the grave, the bones of Ezekiel come back together and live. Had the bones not fallen apart, they could not have come back together and be used by God. Or the young man that I knew in Missouri when I first went into the ministry. He was in the Navy and somehow or another he had been injured. And he was now quadriplegic. From the neck down he was paralyzed. And I went up to visit him at, I think it's Ella Fisher Hospital there in, in uh, Missouri. I went up to visit and I went into his room. We just started talking. And I, you know how your soul gets knit with somebody else and you just you have an instant connection to them? It kind of happened with this young man. And so we were talking. I, I said, so what kind of surgeries are they going to do? And they said, this is it. They can't do anything for me. I said, well, what about your parents and your siblings? And he said, they've walked away from me because they, they don't want to see me in this condition. I said, what can I do for you? And he said, I, I'd like to go to church. I don't remember his name, but I'll call him George. I'll say, I said, George, I tell you what, I will come every single Sunday and I will pick you up and I will take you to my church so you can worship God. And every Sunday, as long as I was at that church, I rolled down to Ella Fisher Hospital, went inside, the nurses had him ready, they put him in a wheelchair, I struggled to get him in my car. Our, our church was not handicap accessible, and so some men helped me get his wheelchair and we carried it up the 12 stairs onto the main level and he went in and he worshiped God. That young man, if he's still living, doesn't know who in the world I am. But I remember him very clearly. Because his brokenness helped give me liberty and freedom in my country. How could I not honor him? You see, we see life differently. We think, we think it's the athlete who's at the top of his game. That's who we make a big deal out of. We, we think it's the parent who never makes a mistake. We think it's the pastor or the church members who never do anything wrong. We, we think it's the businesses who just always have a positive cash flow at the end of the year. That's who we make a big deal out of. And God says, you know, sometimes I just want the widow's might. Sometimes I just want your alabaster box. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I want to use. You see, others may not make sacrifices for Christ. And those people will try to keep you from making your sacrifice for Christ. Why? Because it shows them up for being as shallow as what they are. Bringing out the alabaster box is a personal decision that only you can make. Nobody can make you do that. 
I know you're not supposed to. But I love jewelry as a man. Yeah, I would, I would, I would wear lots of jewelry if I could. Uh, but around my neck, and I don't take it out because it's for nobody's business, but around my neck I've got a necklace on, and on the end of that necklace is a widow's mite that I purchased when I was over in, in Israel on a trip. Because you see, things, when I was working at Penny's, things were my God. I know who I am and what I am. I would have sacrificed my wife and my kids to get ahead at that company. I would have. My life's goal was to sit on the board of J.C. Penney. For two years, my men's department was number two in the nation. I was on my way. Vice president then in New York, I think later they moved their headquarters to, to Texas, flew down to spend a week in Pensacola with me. Store 1245. It's a number in case anybody wants to check that out. I was on my way. Nobody can make you give that alabaster box. And I wear that necklace to remind me as it's around my neck when I took my shower this morning and I bathed myself down and I felt that widow's mite. That's there to remind me, Ron, give it all. God is not going to owe me anything. God will not be in debt to me. I'm challenging you today. Step up to the plate. Take your alabaster box, whatever it may be. Present it to Jesus Christ. Break that thing open. Crush it. Give it to Him. And see what He will do with it. You may be amazed. You see, when you do that, it fills your world with an aroma of sweetness to God. It may be a stench to you. The memory of it may make you sick to your stomach. But when you give that to God, he sits there and he just breathes in deeply and he says, oh, man, that smells so good. Because you're doing it out of love to him. It's a permanent action. Once you break the box, you can't put it back together again. It's crushed. Oh, you, you, you can glue it back together again. They have Gorilla Glue. And you can make that work, but it still has cracks. This moment right now, Jesus Christ in His risen glorified body is sitting at the right hand of His Father in heaven and he still has the scars of the cross. Because the resurrection did not remove the scars. Come here, Thomas. You doubt it's me? Take your hand, put it right here in this hole on my side. Look at the holes in my hand where the nails were. And that was after he was risen from the dead. 
You see, we want God to take the scars away, and the scars are what gives him glory. Because he's chosen to use us as broken vessels. Well, I'll close with this. Your brokenness gives you a reputation. If you shared your story the way this woman shared her story, people would know what you've done in your past. God speaking to the church at Corinth through the Apostle Paul. He says, I want, I want to help you learn something, church. Because the church at Corinth was a very broken, divided, sinful church. When they got together for communion, everybody got drunk. <laughs> Can you imagine that? That's sunshine. You talk about people turning out for communion. <laughs> that church is full. Some to see who's going to drink and others so that they can. So Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, I want to help you learn something, guys. You know all that heartache and all that, that hurt and all that brokenness that's gone on in your lives? God allowed that. And you can almost see them scratch their heads and say, why would a loving God allow that? And Paul says, because God is bringing other people into your life who's getting ready to walk down the same road you've already walked down and he wants to use you to help them make it safely. And they cannot know who you are unless you let people know what God has done in your life. You've got to open that box up. You've got to let that aroma come out. And from your heart, you have to sit there or stand there or lay there in his presence and say, only because of Jesus has this been made whole. And all of a sudden, God will start bringing around you people who will start sharing their story with you and you'll sit there and in your heart, you begin to palpitate and you'll look at them and you'll say, oh, honey, I want you to understand. I understand what you're saying far more than what you realize. Because they're telling you your story. Because the truth is, whatever has gone on in your life today, there are other people right now in this room, in this building, worshiping the same God, who have exactly the same t-shirt. And they came to church today saying, God, help me. And you're here to help them. But they're going to leave just as frustrated because you're too embarrassed to break open the box.
you hear nothing else, hear the story of this broken, fallen woman and hear Jesus say, I want you to understand in 2017, in the month of January, in a nation that will be formed called the United States of America, some guy's going to stand in a pulpit in a state called Florida and he's going to read this story and I want everybody to know this is being read as a memorial for her. Spurgeon said, live so as to fling your shadow across eternity. There is no better way to fling your shadow than to break open your box. Would you bow your heads with me, please?